0: Well, welcome to church, everyone. Good morning. I think you guys picked a great week to join us because today we're going to be kicking off this brand new series for the fall called Chasing Purpose. And I think this is going to be a fun series because over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And along the way, also, we're going to kind of unpack and discover our core values as a church. And if you didn't know this, here at our church, we have five core values that we believe can be seen, present themselves in the lives of followers of Jesus. And so these five values are what we want to be as a church community. Now, earlier this summer, um, I spent several weeks really kind of digging down deep to unpack our first core value. And if, if you missed any of that, um, I encourage you to go onto YouTube to our page. You can search South Portland Naz and you can check out messages from our summer series called Formed. But let me just give you the Cliff Notes version in case you missed it this summer. A follower of Jesus and a leader for God boils down really to one key word. And that word is this, love, love. In John 13, 35, Jesus said this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That amazingly, the key, the first step to becoming a follower of Jesus is not how much Bible you can quote. It's not how smart you are. It's not if you know the Greek and the Hebrew. No, that the first step is not about becoming religious enough or about following enough rules, the very first step to becoming a follower of Jesus is connected to this one little yet powerful word, love. And that's why our very first core value as a church is this, that loved people love people. That loved people love people. It's this incredible understanding that followers of Jesus are really formed through love. And I don't want you to miss that because every other core value that we're going to be talking about in this series really falls under the overarching umbrella of this idea and this greatest commandment that Jesus taught for us to live in a vertical love relationship with him That's also then pours out and expressed through our lives in a horizontal love relationship with all the people around us that loved people love people. And the reason this is so critical and the reason I really want you to hold on and grasp this truth before I even get into today's Bible story and message is because over the course of history, those in the church have sometimes forgotten this. And sometimes it's caused us to drift and we've gotten lost. And I don't want that to ever happen in our church community. I don't want us to fall into that trap. So, so let me illustrate this j- just for a minute to make sure that we get it. I-, I need everyone to do something with me this morning. I want you to, to just hold out your hands right now, and, and if you can open up one hand and-, and just close the other, and just do that. Just hold it out in front of you. Look at your hands in front of you. One hand open, one hand closed. Awesome, okay, you can put your hands down. Now let me try to explain what that is. If, if we are really gonna be able to live out love, As a church, this is where I hope and pray that we will eventually get to. That's where I want us to be when it comes to practicing our faith and how we live out our life for God. That every one of us would walk through life holding one hand open and holding one hand very tight. Okay, I'm going to unpack that story a little bit more for you. I was born in in Washington, D.C., in the late 70s, and I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and if you know that, I, I grew up in a Hindu family. My parents had immigrated to the United States from India. And, and I didn't start attending church until I was in middle school, because a friend of mine kept inviting me to church over and over and over again, and finally he said there were cute girls there, and that convinced me to go. And as I started going to church, I started to notice some things. I started to see that there were two big ways that churches and church people seem to operate. And maybe you've been in church world a while too. Maybe you've visited different churches and maybe you've seen this as well. But here are two ways that I've seen churches act, church communities act. And I actually think both of them are wrong. The the first way is like this. They walk through life like this with both hands closed. On the one hand, you have methodology. This is the way we do church. This is things like how you dress in church. Have you ever heard the statement, church clothes, put on your church clothes? It's things like that. Styles of music. I mean, growing up, when I first started going to church, we we would sing out of a book called the hymnal, okay? Then a little bit later after that, I went to a church where they had an overhead projector. I went to a church where they had a choir, and they they sang in choir robes. And they had this little lady with blue hair who played this instrument called the pipe organ, Okay? That was the church that I, that I kind of grew up in. And every single Bible in the pew was the King James Version of the Bible. And, and throughout modern history, um, there's been a lot of things that methodology that the church has kind of held on to. And, and some of them, you know, are, are, are just terrible, in my opinion. One of them is, is segregation. Did you know it's often said that Sundays are the most segregated time in America? Did you know that? That if you're growing up, and you're black, and you're a Christian, you probably went to a church where most everybody looked like you. And everybody had rhythm, and they swayed to the music, and the service was about three hours long. But if you grew up, and you were going to a predominantly white church, the service was usually much shorter, and everybody clapped off beat. And this is just the way it was. That was just the methodology. Things just didn't change. Those things were not up for debate. You only sing like this. You only dress like this. You only attend this church if you look like this. And I'm going to go a little off track, but over the years I've often found that in churches like that, many times the best dressed person was often the most wickedest person in the entire church, looking holy and righteous on the outside while abusing their family at home. Now, churches and church people who think this way When you go and visit a place like that, it's almost like you're jumping in a time machine and going back in time, but it's not vintage. It's not cool. It feels a little cold, and it can feel weird. And so that's one hand, methodology, how they do church. And then on the other hand is theology, what they believe about God and Jesus and salvation. And with both hands closed up like this, it seems like churches like that and, and church people like that are always looking for a fight. It's always like the world is against them and everything is against them. And if you don't believe what they believe, if you don't act how they act, if God forbid you show up to church in jeans and a t-shirt and you want to you wanna sing a peppy song, right, with lights and a, a projector and an electric guitar and drums, and you're on the outside looking in and you must be evil and wicked, and you don't have enough reverence for God. And I think that's one really wrong way of looking at life and love that church people can fall into. And there's a word that's really associated with this, and that word is this. It's fundamentalism or legalism. Show of hands, how many of you have heard of that word before? Yeah, many, many of you have. It's all about living a life for God based solely on rules and traditions, and not just rules of the Bible like the Ten Commandments. Now, on the other side of the pendulum, you have churches and church people that walk around like this, with both their hands open. And on the methodology side, these places can can be a little bit cool. They can seem kind of hip. They might have a a coffee bar in the back, and and people walk around in jeans and shorts and flip-flops, and it's kind of casual and welcoming. But here's the deal, on the other hand, when it comes to theology, they also walk around like this. And there might be a sign in front of the church that says Christian Church, but then when you ask them what they believe about God, the answer is, well, I'm not really sure. I think maybe as long as you're a a good person and you believe in a divine power, that you're gonna be okay. And they walk through life with both hands open. But see, our hope and prayer for all of us is that we would be a church community that walks through life like this. That on on the methodology side, on, on one side, that we would be a people so willing to love others and to engage in our culture that we would be willing to do anything, anything short of sin, to see people come to know Jesus and get connected to him. Because we don't believe that it's about a style of music or what you wear or what you've done in your past and who you are. Because Jesus went up to outcasts from society. He went up to Matthew the tax collector who even the the other disciples despised and wanted to spit on because he was a traitor to their people. Instead, Jesus loved him and met him exactly where he was and he told Matthew, he simply said, follow me. And you know what, I believe when it comes to methodology that church can be exciting and church can be fun. Why, because our God is awesome and exciting and fun. And it's not about following a list of rules that we have to check off, it's about living a personal relationship with the God of the universe who loves you and has greater plans for your life. And maybe you're joining us today for the very first time or watching online and maybe that's something you just needed to hear that you just needed that one truth this morning, that you matter to God, that he loves you, that he's ready to meet you exactly where you are, and that he has great plans for your life and your future. And regardless of your past or your history, we want you to know that you are welcome here, that you're welcome in this church. And again, this is biblical because this is what Jesus did. He met people exactly where they were and he loved them. This is what the Apostle Paul did. He traveled to different areas of the world and he leveraged the culture and the poetry and the style of music in whatever area he went and he used that to point people towards God. And so that's what we want to do here. When you come to this church, you don't have to dress every week in church clothes in a suit or a long dress unless you want to and that's your cool style then go at it. And our worship team, we're going to play some peppy music, right? Right, Jim? We're going we're gonna to rock out at times, and we're going to have fun with that. You know, occasionally, we might even play a secular song up here. Wow. If it helps direct us and point us to a message and a truth from Scripture. Because you never know, someone might walk through these doors or they're watching online and they've never been to church before. It seems so foreign and so confusing. And then they hear one song that they heard on the radio and they're like, hold on a second, I I can relate to that. And they pause and they listen and they have a connection with Jesus. And so we want to be able to do all of those things. We want to do those things. But on the other hand, we want to close our hands around some core values and some core truths of theology that are timeless. These are things that we're going to be willing to fight for. These are things that we're going to be willing you know, to, to bleed for. So on this hand, in our methodology, you know, we'll play a fun game and and we'll be a little wild and crazy like we did in the At the Movie series and throw out candy at you guys and do some trivia because God is fun. But in our theology, we're going to hold close and we're going to hold tight to these timeless truths that we need to wrap our hearts around because these are truths from God that are not relative and they're not open to interpretation And so in this series, in addition to our our big overarching umbrella core value of love, we're going to unpack the four core values, the four truths that we want to hold tightly onto as a church community. These are the big core values that define our purpose, and everything that we do here is rooted in these core values. So today as we begin this series, we're going to start by examining one verse from the Bible that's really going to be kind of our theme verse for this series. And then we're going, to, we're going to unpack a pretty cool story. And so if you have your Bible with you, this verse is found in 2 Peter. It's found in 2 Peter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter 3, verse 18. And I love, I love the books of Peter in the Bible because they were written by the apostle Peter who actually walked with and lived with Jesus. And so let's, let's look at what Peter had to say in 2 Peter 318 he said this but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ grow in the grace and the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ and these were actually the last recorded words of the apostle peter and his challenge to all of us who call ourselves followers of jesus is to grow in grace and knowledge that grace isn't something that we should just sing about but it's something that we should actually grow in, that we should constantly be looking at our lives and working to take next steps in our walk with Jesus. And as we do that, God's Holy Spirit begins to work inside of us and change us from the inside out. See, this church is meant to be a place where we celebrate when somebody is willing to take a next step in their walk with Jesus, even if that next step starts out a little bit shaky at first. And sometimes, you know, that first step can be shaky. How many of you are parents here today? A lot of parents. I I remember, you probably remember, I remember when all five of my kids first started learning how to walk. Do you guys remember that? And they were kind of unbalanced and and they were kind of shaky and they would fall down a lot. But let me tell you what I, I didn't do to my kids. Let me tell you what I didn't say. I didn't look at them and say, hey, what's wrong, you moron? Why can't you walk? Why aren't you getting this right, huh? If you want to be a part of this family, you better start walking right. And by the way, when are you going to start using the potty, okay? And wiping your own rear end, because this diaper thing is getting old. It's just nasty. Okay, I'm tired of this. Did I do that with my kids? No. I'd be a horrible parent if I did that. Good parents celebrate progress, even when it starts out small and a little shaky. And our Heavenly Father celebrates every time we take a next step towards Him, even if that first step starts off a little bit shaky. So in order to talk about next steps and identify where we're going spiritually, the first thing we have to do is we have to identify where we're at right now in our walk with God. So let's explore that. For some of us here, this is where we're at spiritually. We're a seeker. We're a seeker. Now, all of us are seekers to a certain extent, All of us spiritually, especially if we live long enough, we start to face the ultimate questions of why am I here? Where am I going after this life? But what I'm specifically talking about is people who don't call themselves Christians but are open to exploring faith. And so if you're not really sure if you buy into the whole God thing and and Jesus, but someone promised you lunch and, and you came with them to church or they told you that cute guys or cute girls were here or whatever, and you showed up. Maybe you came here, and, and you're not sure what you believe. Maybe you checked us out online, but you liked the music, and, and maybe the people here seem friendly, and the preacher didn't bore you too much, and so, so you came back, and you're just kind of kicking the tires on, on this whole church and Christianity thing. And if that's you, first of all, we are so, so glad that you're joining us today, because we believe this place really is for you. It's yours. We hope you keep coming. But I want you to know, I don't believe that you're joining us today by accident because the whole time that you're processing this and you think you're just kind of seeking and trying to figure out God, scripture actually teaches that in actuality, God loves you with an unconditional love and he's the one who's seeking you. And so the first one is seeker. The, the next level is this, receiver, receiver. Now, in order to illustrate this one, here's a date that really matters to me that I want to share with you. Some of you guys maybe have a date. Some of you maybe don't. December 28th, 1990. December 28th, 1990. And this date matters to me because on this date, I attended a winter teen camp at the Summit Lake Campground in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And I moved from being a seeker to being a receiver as I moved my faith off of myself and what I had done unto my Savior Jesus and what he had done for me, that he died for me to pay the price for all my sins, all my wrongs, and that he rose from the grave, that he is the Son of God. And that day he washed away my sins and he made me brand new. And, and this is how the Apostle John said it in John 1-2. He said this, he said, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's amazing that we get to be sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And the two key words here are believe and receive. Believe and receive. See, it's not about, well, I'm a good person, I go to church. The Bible says believe and receive that salvation is a free gift from God to all who believe and receive. Now, it doesn't end at receiver. That's not the finish line because there's a third level after seeker and receiver, and that level is this, follower, follower. Now, I want to be very honest with you guys. Most Christian growth in the church stops at receiver. I've been in church world for 30 years now and a pastor for over 20 years, and I've seen so many people Who hear the good news of Jesus, they make a decision to receive Christ, and then that's it. They never change, they never take another step. Now, now you might think, "Well, well, Pastor, I think I'm a follower. Well, let's look at that. Because while Jesus will meet us exactly where we are when we believe and receive, he also calls us to not stay there, he calls us to follow him. And no matter who you are, whether you've just received Christ or you've been a Christian for years or decades, all of us, we say this all the time, all of us have a next step in our walk with God. Can we agree with that this morning? We all do, right? So how do you know if you're a follower of Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in this series. But first, let's start with a simple question. What does it even mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Being a follower of Jesus means that you are living in a daily pursuit, a daily walk with Christ, that you are constantly looking for ways in your life to take a next step in your walk. For some of us, that next step might be learning more about Jesus and God by starting to read your Bible, getting in a habit of doing daily devotion, a daily prayer time with God, starting to come to church regularly Instead of once a month or on a whim or on a special holiday, but you're going to start increasing your growth and your understanding of God. For some of you, the next step is going public with your decision to receive Christ and getting baptized. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change, it doesn't mean you're perfect, it doesn't mean you've got it all together. But some of you have been putting off baptism for far too long and you're not going to really grow in your relationship with Jesus until you can obey one of the first things that he asked you to do as a follower to publicly declare that you've decided to follow him. We have a baptism Sunday happening in a few weeks on October 3rd. We have a sign-up sheet in the lobby on a table filled with candy, okay? Sorry, all you online people. You just have an online form, okay? But for many of you, that's your next step. That's what God is calling you to do. For others of you, a daily pursuit with Jesus means starting to get connected with some community in your life, finding a small group and becoming a part of it. We have several small groups that are gonna be launching in just a week from now. You know, it's about going into a place with some other people trying to follow Jesus and being willing to take off the masks that all of us kind of wear and to start to get real with some other followers. For some of you, the next step is confessing an area of sin in your life and repenting, turning away from that area of sin. Now, that's not even fun to think about, is it? But when we confess our sins to other believers who we trust, who can help keep us accountable, let me tell you from experience, God works, and he will start to give you victory over sin in your life. You don't need to stay trapped in bondage to sin or addiction. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and through community, you can grow, and you can be free, and confession is the key. That's your next step. For some of us, your next step is using your time and your talents for God. God has blessed each and every one of us with unique talents and giftings and strengths and abilities. That's why in scripture, followers of Jesus are called the body of Christ because each one of us is so important and so critical and so valuable to what God is trying to do in the world. In the history of the world, here's an interesting thought, in the history of the world, there has never been and there will never be anyone exactly like you. You have the unique fingerprint of our God in your life. You're a unique creation. There's nobody, nobody like you. And God wants you to use your strengths and your talents to make a difference, not only in your church, but in the world. Now, I want to wrap up today by looking at one big area where followers of Jesus truly can begin to live for God. And that area is, again, closely tied to the desire to love God and love others, and it's, it's one of our core values. Because according to the scriptures, if you're a follower of Jesus, not loving other people is not an option. Because every person you're ever eyeball to eyeball with matters to God, so much so that he sent his son Jesus to save them. And so if we're truly following Jesus, other people should matter to us as well. And one of the biggest ways we're to love others is by sharing the love of Jesus. And that's our second core value as a church. It's this, that according to the scriptures, found people, find people. Found people, find people. And there's a great example of this in John chapter 1, starting in verse 43, where where Jesus calls one of his disciples named Philip. And the Bible says it like this. Here's what scripture says that the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now, church, let me ask you a question. First off, who found who? Who found Philip? Jesus, that's right. The Bible describes our condition before becoming a Christian as being lost and in darkness. Now, some of us understand this pretty easily. We remember what our life was like before we knew God, before we knew Christ. We know we were lost. I mean, maybe people still come up to you and they're like, man, I remember you in kindergarten You used to smoke crayons and sniff glue, right? (laughs) But God continued to pursue us with this amazing love and his provenient grace until we came to a moment of salvation where we realized my sin, my wrong separates me from a holy, perfect, righteous God. There's nothing I can do on my own to earn my way to him. But he loves me, so he sent Jesus to be the bridge, to pay the price for all my sins, to willingly die on the cross for me. And it's not through religion that we're saved, it's through a personal relationship with God, through his son Jesus. When we become followers of Jesus, scripture tells us that we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we start to get consumed with the things that consume God, like caring about people who need him. So Philip was found by Jesus, and guess what's the next thing he did? Check out the next verse here in John chapter 1, picking up in verse 45. Here's what it says. It says, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have met the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Of Joseph. Jesus found Philip and Philip found Nathanael. Why? Because found people find people. So, who do you know in your life that needs to know Jesus? See, we're not on this planet just for ourselves, we're here to impact others for God. And if you're stressed out because you're like, man, I'm the only Christian in my place of employment. I'm the only Christian on my campus. Guess what? Maybe God put you where you're at because there are a bunch of people around you who don't know Jesus and they might encounter him and his love through you. Because let me tell you, people who don't know God, they're hungry for something more in their life. That's because we're not made for this world. We're made for God. Every person you meet has has a hole, a God-shaped hole in their life. And they have an eternal destination. And if you're a follower of Jesus, every person you meet should matter to you. Who do you know that needs a relationship with Jesus? Going back to our story, Jesus found Philip, Philip found Nathanael. Let's see what happened next in verse 46. Nazareth, this is Nathanael's response. Nazareth, can anything good Come from there, Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. Come and see. So Philip is so excited to tell his friend about Jesus, and Nathaniel's not having it. He's a skeptic. He's going, I don't know. Heard there's some pretty shady people in Nazareth. A lot of backwater folks over there. But you know, I love honest skeptics. You know why? Because they're honest. Because they're real. I mean, you talk to an honest skeptic and you're like, hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? They're like, my life stinks. I need a drink. It's like, thank you for being honest. I appreciate that. See, there have always been skeptics in the world. And that doesn't mean that we need to attack them and beat them up because they're skeptical. We don't have to go up to them and be like, you know, you're stupid and you need Jesus. I don't think that strategy has ever won anyone for Christ. That's why I love Philip's response what does he say, church? Come and see. Come and see. That's why we do church the way we do church here, because we want this to be a place where you can bring family members, friends, coworkers, classmates, people you love who need Jesus, and they might be able to come and encounter the God who loves them. We want this to be a place where the gospel is powerfully presented on a regular basis and lives are changed forever, whether it be in children's ministry and Lighthouse Kids or in student ministry at Fuse or with our adults. We want this to be a place where lives are changed forever. And so Philip brings his friend Nathaniel to have this encounter with Jesus. Now, an interesting thing in the story is that it says earlier in the day Nathaniel was sitting in kind of deep contemplation under a fig tree. And we don't know exactly what was going on with him in his conversation to God that morning. We don't know. Maybe he was at a really low point in his life. Maybe some of you can relate. Maybe he was crying out to God in his prayers sitting under this tree. God, do you know what's going on right now? God, do you even see me? Do you even know I'm here? Do you care? Verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus was probably laughing inside thinking, boy, I made you. I know everything about you. Yes, I see you, Nathaniel, and I care. And listen, if you're here today and you feel like you're too messed up for God to want you or love you, I have really good news for you this morning. He knows every wrong thing you've ever done, every lie, every deception, every bad choice, and he still chooses to love you and he still wants you, and he cares about your life. He cares about your future. That's how amazing Jesus is. Verse 49, last verse we'll look at today. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That's amazing. He, He went from, I don't like you, nothing good can come out of Nazareth, to you are my Lord, and I give you my life. See, Philip just got Nathaniel into a position where he encountered Jesus. We can't change people. We can't. But we can get them to a place where they might encounter Jesus, who's the one who can change them. We're not here to win arguments with people. The the problem with people who don't know Jesus is not what they believe about politics or marriage. The problem with people who don't know Jesus is they don't know Jesus. Uh, Let me wrap up with with a last quick story. How many of you hate spiders? Can I see a show of hands? All right, a lot of you, my people. Don't like them. Well, um, the first year after Julie and I got married, we went to a Christian music festival called Creation, which is kind of like a Christian Woodstock in Mount Union, Pennsylvania. And um, thousands of people outdoors, sleeping in tents, and then they have performances all weekend long on, on stages. And so we're sleeping in a tent. And for those of you who've been camping before, you know this. Ted, you you get this. You're you're an avid camper. Um, sometimes you wake up earlier when you go camping because the sun starts you know rising in the morning, the tent kind of warms up a little bit and you, you kind of wake up, you kind of you know it, it stirs you a little earlier. And so it was early in the morning and I, I start to wake up in this tent and I notice some movement in, in my peripheral vision and I see the tiniest little baby spider you could ever imagine, just about a foot away from my pillow. And so I reach out with my thumb, and I just kind of smush it, and say, I'm going to get five more minutes of sleep, and I close my eyes to go back to sleep. A few moments later, I open my eyes again, and I notice two little tiny spiders about three inches from my pillow. And so once again, I reach out, and I, I smush them, and close my eyes, and then a thought goes through my mind. Where are these little baby spiders coming from? And so I sit up, and I did something that probably I I shouldn't have done, but I grabbed my pillow, and I pulled my pillow back. And dozens and dozens of baby spiders start emerging from under my pillow. And I jump up, and I do a little dance, okay? (laughs) Freaked out. Julie's still asleep. I think I got them all in this tent and then I turn around to the entrance of my tent, and in the entrance of my tent, I see this. That was a mama wolf spider, and she was not happy with what I had just done to her babies. And she kind of lifted her legs up at me, and I screamed at a, at a pitch gym that I've never reached before. I was frozen. Julie actually woke up and she took care of the spider because I I was done at that point, okay? Well, that's my scary story. But you know what I think is really scary? Thinking of where I would be today and where my family would be today if in seventh grade my friend Mike Teeter hadn't invited me to come to church to play basketball and meet some cute girls. And because a seventh grade kid in middle school had the courage to invite me to church, I had an encounter with Jesus, and my life changed forever. Followers of Jesus love people. Why? Because people matter to God, and because found people find people. I want to close a little bit differently today our service. One of the longtime members of our church, owners of our church, also, part of our leadership board is Miss Bonnie Porter. And God has been kind of speaking to her heart, and she wanted to share her testimony with you guys this morning, and I think it relates to some of the things we've been, we've been talking about today. So I'd like for you to give a warm welcome to Bonnie Porter as she comes up here. And when Bonnie is, is done sharing, the worship team is going to lead us and close us. tested real quick. Hi.
1: You're probably wondering what is she doing up there? She's just going to cry. And I'll try my best not to. Um, I was talking to the Lord this week and he said I want you to testify on Sunday. And I was like, really? <sighs> you know how well I do up front. But I talked to pastor and he said Oh no, the Lord really wants you to because it's gonna fit in with what I'm talking about. So I thought I'd give my testimony. I've been a Christian since I was nine. So it's been over 60 years that I've walked with him and he has never ever forsaken me. He's been a wonderful, wonderful Lord. He was my savior when I was nine. He's been my lord since I was 12. And he has walked with me every single step of the way. When I was a young student nurse, I had an instructor who truly had it out for me. And I know it because I went to her and I said, feels like you have it out for me. She said, yeah, I do. And she said, and you know, when I think about it, it's because you remind me of somebody I don't like. Um, Bob and I were married 47 years, and we had our ups and our downs, but the Lord was walking with us every single step of the way. When Christopher was 10 months old, he developed asthma. And I went through a hard year, that first year, angry, really angry with God. Why did you do this to my baby? I I don't want my son to be sick like this. And God was still faithful. He still stood by me, and he listened to me, and he patiently waited till I was ready to let go and trust him. And I gave him to God, and he's 47 now. So God didn't take him. But when I laid him on that altar, I thought God was going to take him. And God taught me that long ago that when you give something to him, you don't give it to him like this. Give it to him like this. Because when you give it to him like this, you're still holding on. Um, he's faithful when we went through time When the church turned its back on us and took away our ministries, I felt like I was a teacher. Since I was 15 years old, I've been teaching Sunday school. That ministry was taken. Bob's ministry of singing was taken. Some people were spreading untruths about us here. So we simply came to church and sat in church and listened to what God had to say to us and that turned around. I I have to believe that God kept us here for a purpose, for a reason. And I will have to believe the church is still here because God said, you stay where I tell you to stay. Don't listen to what other people are saying. God has been faithful to us financially. There's been times when We didn't know how we were going to pay our bills. When Bob worked for the telephone company, we went through a four-month strike. Well, what happened right before that four-month strike? We were going to sell our house. We had our house on the market. We had somebody ready to buy it. We had a new house already built. On closing day, the man who was going to buy our house said, nope, I don't want to buy it he pulled out and we were like God why? a couple months later the telephone company went on that strike for four months if we had that new house we would have ended up without a house because we stayed in our old house we survived the strike with our equity God was faithful he knew and we trusted him It's been almost two years now. My income is a third of what it was. I wondered, should I stay in our apartment? Should I go to senior housing? What should I do, Lord? Um, A couple years before he died, Bob bought a BMW. He loved his cars. A BMW, really? We can't afford a BMW. There's no way. We owned it for six months, and we turned it back in. This was a ridiculous thing. A A couple months ago, I got a letter from Wells Fargo. They said, why haven't you passed that check we sent you? And I'm like, what? I called them, and they said, oh yeah, Wells Fargo, Um, They had a lawsuit against them for auto loans, and they had to reimburse people for if you had an auto loan with them. Um, And so we we sent you a check, and I said, well, I don't believe I got that check. This week, I got a check for $6,000. God is faithful. God takes care of us. God is looking out for us. But I don't want to say all this just to say, oh, look at how wonderful my life is. That's not what I'm saying it. I'm saying it because today in our world, it's a mess. We're hearing all the bad things that are happening in our world. We're hearing sad stories. We're hearing anger and turmoil. When COVID hit and we couldn't come to church, and we couldn't be together and help each other the lord said to me you need to look around you and you need to see who you need to be with and i started visiting with my neighbors and i started spending more time with my family i think that's where we need to be it's wonderful to come to church and be blessed and be loved but We are full up with God's love. We've had to share it with our neighbors and our families. They're lost. We need to give it to them. And you know, too long I've heard the devil in my ear say, we're gonna laugh at you, we're gonna make fun of you. That hasn't been true. Yesterday I went to my hairdresser. When I talked with her a couple years ago, she talked to me about how When she dies, she's going to go in the ether and just disappear. I've been talking to her ever since. She's never laughed at me. She's never made fun of me. She hears me when I talk about God and how trustworthy he is. I told her today, yesterday, that I was coming here today to talk about how wonderful God is. So don't let the devil tell you they're going to make fun of you. They need him, and we have him, and we need to share him with them. That's why I wanted to talk to you. Thank you. Let's
0: stand together.
2: mm mm-hmm. man
0: blessings upon these, your people today. As always, God, we ask you to give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard. We thank you for the incredible story of, of Philip and Nathaniel, Lord God, and and this powerful truth, this, this core value that we, we don't ever want to let go of, that found people find people, that people matter to you so they should matter to us. God, give us the courage to to take that wisdom and do something with it, to take action, to, to make a, a change, to make a, a next step in our walk, to reach out to somebody we love. Father, I also wanna pray for, for those joining us today, whether here or online, who would identify and say, you know what, I'm a seeker. I've been, I've been searching for something. My prayer is that God will powerfully reveal himself to you, that you will feel his incredible love and grace, and that you'll be ready to make the step from a seeker to someone who believes and receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. For those of us who have received, my prayer is that we would be willing to become followers. As as Bonnie said, that we don't want to just be people who are who are saved and we have our fire insurance, but we want Jesus to be Lord of our life. I pray that we would be a church full of people ready to take next steps, even if they're a little shaky at first. Maybe for some of you it's getting online and saying I wanna be baptized October 3rd or signing up in the lobby today. It's a little bit nerve wracking, it's a little uncomfortable. But it's how God is going to stretch you and grow you to the greater plans that he has for your life. God, whatever our next step might be, help us to be followers of your son, Jesus. We love you. We give honor and glory and praise today for what you're going to be doing in the lives of your children. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope you have an amazing week. Can't wait to see you back next week. We continue part two of Chasing Purpose.
2: your goodness is
0: running after
2: it's running Good.